listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab podcast. I have Rebecca here today. Rebecca, in one line, give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. Hi, Barbara. I'm Rebecca Mitchum, a partner at Neotribe Ventures, and I co-manage our Ignite Fund. Wonderful. So tell me what inspired you to become a venture capitalist. First, I want to thank you for speaking with me today. I really do appreciate that you take the time to bring people together, particularly females, and help us share our stories with others and bring us together. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Of course. The inspiration to becoming a VC started well before I had any idea what venture capital actually was. I grew up in a small town in Bud, West Virginia, population sort of 367 last time I checked, where finance is not really, institutional finance in the way that we're discussing was not really a concept that I was exposed to. Uh, Like a lot of men in the area, my dad was actually a coal miner, as were my grandfathers. And before I was really old enough to understand what happened, he was laid off from the mines and decided he really wanted to control his own destiny. So he decided he would open his own auto repair shop, set his own hours, work as hard as he wanted, and hopefully reap the benefits of that. I always admired his entrepreneurial spirit, his amazing work ethic. But the honest reality is I saw him working 12 hours a day, six days a week, sometimes more. So what does naturally do to a kid, it pushed me to do pretty much the exact opposite. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to really find safety in my career. So I went to college and then I joined JP Morgan, which was viewed as one of the most stable banks after the financial crisis. And then I proceeded to spend a decade there. While I was there, I worked in three different teams in three different countries. I tested my bounds and my interests. And ultimately, I found that I really had a passion for private markets. And at first, I couldn't identify exactly why, but it was really the long-term nature of the capital meant you mm-hmm. could establish long-term relationships with the people. Yes. And I found that super interesting and was lucky enough to join a team and focus on growth stage investing where I found all of these founders who reminded me of my dad and had this passion and work ethic and thought, wow, what a way where I could be involved in this world, hopefully help them be capital providers to them so they can fulfill their passions. But in a way I can do it that suits my personality and my individual risk tolerance, if you will. On that journey, I met Kitsu Kalori, who's the founding partner of Neotribe. We were on the same board together actually at some point. And Neotribe's mission is to invest in entrepreneurs looking to buck the trend. 
So when Neotribe launched a growth fund, it was the perfect time for me to come join them and continue my passion for investing in growth stage companies. That's awesome. I love how all the ladies have such a non-traditional way to get into venture. That's very, it's very inspiring. So what is your investment thesis there? And what is the motivation behind your thesis? The thesis, if we distill it succinctly, is to invest in breakthrough technologies that stretch the imagination. And I didn't come up with that phrase. Actually, one of our LPs coined it for us, which was very nice of them. And another way we say it is we want to invest in iPhone 1, not iPhone 10. So we really want a net new technology or a company who's using existing technology in an incredibly novel way. And that creates a pretty broad mandate for us. We invest in sectors across computational biology, enterprise software, robotics, clean tech, agri-tech, essentially any sector that you can think of that can apply technology in a really unique way. Our thesis is to be the first institutional check into a company when we can be. Mm -hmm. We like to be highly involved in our companies and help them find product market fit, help them with their first hires, help them with strategic planning. And one of the unique things about Neotribe is that we'll take both technical risk and market risk, we believe is necessary for creating truly category creating companies. And what that often means is we may be backing companies who otherwise have a hard time finding venture funding, because a lot of firms will take either technical risk or market risk, but not both. So we really, we call it finding a company that may be off Broadway, not in a specific line of sight for some of the VC funds out there and making them on Broadway by helping them find product market fit, by de-risking the technology and ultimately having a really successful outcome for everyone involved. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Please go ahead. That's a slightly different and unique take on it. And I like how you're very broad in your sectors. I think that's important going forward. We believe so too, because so much is changing. And Kitu, who's been doing this quite a bit longer than I have, started out in semiconductors and always gives the example of if I had stuck to semiconductors, I would be irrelevant now. And we always want to find emerging trends. We always want to invest in them. And we have an overarching, overarching overlay of trying to find companies that will ultimately benefit planet health, societal health, or human health, which again, are all very broad categories. But the hope is some of our portfolio companies can truly have a positive impact on the world that we live in. That's wonderful. So what are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? I've spent a lot of time recently on the market environment as everyone else has. I think we're all reading that. If no one's, if you're not reading, that's a problem (laughs) from a founder side and a VC, just a general side in general as a person, everyone should be reading that. And I think that a lot of people will say, ask us as VCs, do you think we're going to head into a recession? Do you think this list of questions? And my philosophy has always been on the investing side. My job isn't to predict where we're heading, but my job is to help our companies prepare for all different types of environments. True. And so I want to be really knowledgeable about what's happening. I think it's really beneficial to know that even though the stock market might be, the NASDAQ is down 30%, it's still nowhere near 08, 09 levels from a revenue multiple perspective. So there could be farther to go. I think it's really important to know that and to help our founders understand If you think you're waiting three or six months for the market to get better because this is the bottom, that might not be the case. We might want to fundraise now. All of that's 
really important context. So I think mm-hmm. being aware of that and providing that information to our founders whose job is to run their companies on a daily basis and not to be reading as much public side research as I may be is an important part of our job. But more specifically, I've been reading a lot more about climate change lately, which of course is all around us. Big deal. And, yeah, that's another one. And how we're going to deal with some of the potentially much nearer term impacts of climate change than we may have modeled or presumed in terms of drought or water rights. And I think that there are an immense number of investment opportunities that will come out of those two sectors in general. And from a source of news perspective, all the traditional news sources, of course, but I'm finding myself getting a lot of quality information that I otherwise wouldn't see on LinkedIn actually lately from various sources, experts, and I'm finding the platform to be much more useful for me in terms of a news source, even in the past three months than I would have told you previously. LinkedIn is interesting. It has evolved now a lot more and they do have good information there. And I still find some good information on Twitter as well. There's a lot of good information on Twitter. Do you ever look at the geopolitical landscape? I'm assuming you're doing US-based companies, but at some point they may want to grow and expand and you're doing growth funding. So they might want to grow and expand into another market or another area. Do you ever look at that from the company perspective? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because what we've seen in our portfolio is pre-COVID, the majority of our companies were based in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Post-COVID, the majority of our investments have been based outside the Bay Area. Some of that could be Austin, Texas. Some of that could be right. Boston. Some of that could be within the, the States, but we've also invested in Australia for the first time, in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, in Israel. So the geopolitical perspective is important for that, but it's also important for specific companies. I'll give you an example. We were just looking at a quantum computing company and the idea the individual countries wanting to own those resources and to have them be headquartered in their home countries. Yeah. The future isn't as rosy as we all want it to be. It is really important from an investment perspective as well to think about what could we invest in a company that's not domiciled in the U.S.? Would they have problems getting contracts from the U.S. government, given that it's a really sensitive sector? Yeah. Is it considered national security, right? Exactly. At some levels, could they only do, could a U.S., only a U.S. company do quantum in the U.S.? because of that, or North America, or whatever that looks like. Exactly. All right, here's the bonus question. Everyone's waiting for it. (laughs) In two years, when we're talking again, how do you see venture capital having changed or evolved? I'm speculating that the pace of fundraises may change, meaning we've seen a trend lately where VCs are raising every year and a half to two years. And I believe given the current cycle and what may be a lack of distributions heading towards LPs, they require their GPs to wait longer to raise new funds, either specifically for a lack of capital to give them or just out of more prudence. So I think the investment cycle of each fund will be will be longer or longer more I like traditional so. like it should have been instead of two years in the beginning. exactly exactly which also gives them the ability to do real diligence because it's hard for me yes. to diligence a fund that's 18 months old and still have a j curve and i'm hopeful truly hopeful that from a diversity perspective you know all of us accomplish our goals in bringing on more people of color of different backgrounds of gender i think progress has 
is being made. I know we think yeah, about sure. it all the time, but I hope we continue on that path in two to three years. We'll be, we'll look back and feel good about the progress we've made. I think it was interesting. This was a sad comment that came out on LinkedIn. One of the funds that invest, I won't say the fund name, but one of the funds that invest in black and brown founders was like, I hope I get the returns because I'm concerned about raising my next fund. And I thought that was a sad comment because you always should be concerned about returns at some levels. But it was more like what you were saying, Rebecca, is the time cycle Mm -hmm. now going to impact these kind of new and emerging funds and their time horizons Mm -hmm. and what they had promised to these original, their original LPs, right? So that's kind of, you know, it's something to watch. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it is something to watch. So how do people contact you? So I would recommend anyone who's interested, go to neotribe.v. I think we're actually very proud of our website and it has a lot of information about all of us as partners, our backgrounds, what Neotribe is, stands for, the types of companies that we like to invest in. And then we also have a blog associated with the website where all of us have done personal pieces about our backgrounds and what our expertise is. So there's a lot for people to learn on the website. And then anyone can reach me on LinkedIn. Like I mentioned, it's I'm spending more time on it that day. So please feel free to, to find me on LinkedIn. It's Rebecca Mitchum. Thank you, Rebecca Mitchum, partner at Neo Tribe Ventures, for being my guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thanks, Barbara. Great being here. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin T-R-A-I-L-Y-N.com to find out more. Find us on Apple on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.